Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Fired Up Radio. I am your host, Anthony Hansen. It's so great to be with you guys today on this Monday, where we continue our study through the book of James. Today, we're going to go through uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. So if you got your Bibles, get that open, ready to go. If you got the Bible app, do the same thing. Get it open. Let's let's get ready to dive in and let's begin to analyze scripture. Amen. Before we do that, real quick, don't forget every episode pre- prior to this one has been posted on Facebook. So if you ever want to listen to previous episodes of every Monday episode, every Warring Wednesday episode, and every Final Thoughts Friday episode, with the exception of last week, because it was Thanksgiving, I mean... It was so hectic last week, I completely forgot. Nonetheless, um, every episode is on Facebook. If you type in the search bar, Fired Up Radio, it should take you right there. Or put in the handle at Fired Up Radio 93. You should be able to pull that up. And right there is the page. Click on it, and you'll find all previous episodes. You'll also find all previous episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor.fm. If you have any of those three platforms, by all means, like, comment, subscribe, share, all that fun stuff when it comes to each and every episode in the podcast. I love you guys. I'm so glad to be here to be able to record and to be able to talk with you guys through the book of James. It's really an honor and a privilege. With all that being said, let's just pray, dive right in, and let's see what the Lord has for us today. Amen. Lord, we thank you for today because you are the author and giver of life. You are the author and the perfecter of our faith, for Jesus Christ is the anchor of our hope. Therefore, Lord, we give you all the honor and glory and praise, and we give you room to move right now. Holy Spirit, help us as we go through the book of James, chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. As we go through these sections of Scripture, we ask for your assistance to show us, to teach us, and to nurture us through the scriptures to be able to reveal the very things that are of the Father's heart and how we can be more like Him and less like us because we want more of you and less of us. In your name, we, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. We give you all the honor, glory, and praise. Amen and amen. So with that being said, let's go ahead and dive right into the scriptures, shall we? James chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, reads like this. What is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. As I've been going through this, and to tell you the truth, this is probably my second or third time recording it. I've already lost track that easily. But the previous times, it just, it didn't sit right. I probably got 10, 15 minutes in, and I was just like, Something isn't sitting well with me when it comes to ministering this. I want a different couple avenues that I believe was just going to be caught, was going to cause a hindrance and was going to be a stumbling block to many. So I pulled back and the Lord showed me something different. And it's, 
there's a lot to be referenced within these three verses of James chapter 4. And, but I want to start with one thing. I want you to notice how in verse 1, the Lord starts off, by the Lord I mean the Holy Spirit speaking through the Apostle James, and how he starts off this chapter. He starts off with reflection questions. He's already answering, he's already given the questions that he already has answers to. These are rhetorical questions that cause us to stop and reflect and who we are, what we're doing, and the heart behind it. Notice he asks, what is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? See, these are the reflective questions. These are rhetorical questions that cause you to stop and to take a slow, hard look on your heart, what you know, and what you're doing. Because let's face it, we live in a culture of today that's so divisive and that's so quick to put out answers without stopping looking at what's going on in front of us and seeing how it impacts us. You know, there's a lot that's taking place in this world and it's by no help of the social, of social media. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Tumblr, uh, Reddit, all these social media platforms. And yet we're so quick to put out a judgment but yet, we don't stop and think, what's really going on here? And is it purposeful? Is it purposeful to fight in regards to the, in regards to the political platforms? If it, is, it per, is it profitable? Is it, does it profit your soul and your spirit? to begin to probe and to begin to begin to stick a finger in somebody else's sore of their wrongs and how they diminished the justice system or got away with it. Is it profitable to mindlessly scroll through social media and to watch Re, quote unquote reality TV shows and see what people have and what people do and what their lives are like and yet become envious and become jealous and become covetousness to begin to covet the very things that they have that you don't. What be- what good does it do? How does it benefit you? How does it? How does it benefit you to look at quote-unquote relationship goals on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all that, and yet 
you're not even willing to work on your own marriage. You can't say that grass is greener on the other side if you haven't even watered your own grass. You cannot complain that the rich have all this, but yet you're still living in the hood okay with flipping burgers at McDonald's or working at a corner store, a convenience store, or a grocery store and only making minimum wage of that. You cannot be content. You cannot be envious of what other people have if yet you're still waiting tables and serving up drinks at the bar. You can't. What good is it? What good is it to be offended by somebody else's lifestyle if you're not willing to adjust yours to begin with so it cannot just benefit you but your spouse and your kids and your neighbor, your, your friends and family? What good is it? See, everyone wants to fight in the name of justice or in the name of, of, of social injustice. But yet no one is putting, putting their boots to the ground. Trying to help with the inequalities. Willing to help with the injustice and correcting the issue. Trying to get impoverished kids out of impoverished areas and setting them up for success instead of failure. Everyone thinks that the world everyone thinks that the world owes them something when yet the world owes them nothing because they have done nothing to contribute to society. So again, allow me to ask these reflective questions that the apostle James poses through the guidance of the Holy Spirit saying what is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? See, the problem is not the world, because guess what? Ephesians chapter 6 tells us what's going on in the world. The Apostle Paul tells us that we do not war against flesh and blood, but against principalities, rulers in the darkness, and the prince, of, the prince of the air in the darkness of this age. Guess what that means? There's a spiritual war wait, wait, that's being waged beyond our own human limited understanding. But yet we want to make it all about ourselves and we want to combat our very neighbor, our brothers and our sisters in the faith, as well as our neighbors Whom have done nothing to go ahead and hindered us. But yeah, we want to say it's all about me, 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 me. So my question is about that. Is it pride? And selfishness? Or is it about being selfless? And banding together to help those who are, who are in need? Tell me. What good does it do to fight the battles 
that do not benefit anyone or fight the battles out of the name of being offended. Let me tell you, it benefits no one. No one. Yet, we have the audacity to complain. Yet, we have the audacity to go ahead and stick a finger in somebody else. When yet, obviously, at the second half of that verse, of just verse 1 alone, it states the word you, or a form of the word you, twice. Your passions with wage the war within you. So the question is, are you happy for those next to you? Or are you just upset with yourself? The Apostle James is holding up the mirror and is asking you, what do you see and are you pleased with it? Is this the image that you want to portray for the rest of your life? Is it the image of Christ or is it the image that you want to go ahead and piece together? And I can obviously tell you it's not the image that God wants you to bear. It's not the image of Christ that you're called to be a witness for. Rather, it's the image that you want to piece together to make it look all, all nice and peaceful and joyous. Let me tell you something. Nothing about this life will ever be easy, and it doesn't get any easier when you decide to follow Christ. It doesn't. I got people telling me that they want to take a quote-unquote vacation from church because they're depressed. Because things just aren't going their way. They want to take a quote-unquote time out from church because it, it just, things just aren't going the way that they thought it would. Church ain't meant to be easy. Being a Christian is not a walk in the park. It's not a frolic through the daisies. It's not a stroll along the seashore. It's not. It's a war zone. It's a war. It's a battle that you're going to be going through for the rest of your life for as long as you decide to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ and call Him your Lord and Savior. Yeah, people have the audacity to go ahead and give up on church, to give up on God. Oh, I'm not giving up on God. I'm just taking a break from the church. No, I beg to differ. The more you stray away from the community of the believers, the more vulnerable you become and the more susceptible you are to fall into the temptations in which Satan places in front of you. So again, as I pose the same questions as the Apostle James. What is the source of the, of the wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? The issue is not the church. The issue is not God. The issue is not Christianity. The issue is not the fact that you don't, is that, that the provisions haven't been made. The issue is you and how you manage your finances and how you manage your personal relationship, how you manage your relationship 
with your children and your spouse. The issue is how you manage your finances and how you and how you how you portray yourself and hold yourself accountable to your leaders and to those at the workplace. It all starts with you. It doesn't start with your boss. It doesn't start with your govern with, with those who hold governmental office. It doesn't start with anybody else and why you're in the position you're in when yet it starts with you. Let's move on to first two. You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. I think we're starting to see the common thread here. It all starts with you. It all starts with me. It all starts with the person to your left. It all starts with the per person to your right. It all starts with the person in front of you. It all starts with the person behind you. It starts with your motives. It starts with your actions. It starts with your thoughts. It starts with what you speak. It starts with what you do. You. It all starts and ends and deals with you. You desire, yet you do not have. Why is that? Well, the scripture tells us, be faithful in the little and he'll make you ruler over much. A little slumber of the eyes, a little folding of the hands, and poverty is knocking at your door. That's what the book of Proverbs tells us. You have little because you have not managed well with the little. You have much because you've been faithful with the little. The more you become a faithful steward with, if you just become with, if only you'd become faithful for what you've got in front of you now. If you become a faithful steward with your wife, with your kids, with your finances, in the workplace, within the ministry that you're a part of, broad and narrow, Broad being the church, narrow being the very specific ministry, ushering, accounts are payable, intercessory, children's ministry, the nursery, working in the cafe, greeters, ushers. If you just, media, lighting, musicians, singers. If you just learn to become faithful in doing that, guess what? Your tents will begin, the, the ropes that which hold your tent will begin to expand. And the, your tent will begin to expand and you'll be able to hold much more. You'll begin to obtain much more because you've been shown to be faithful with the little that has been placed in front of you. Many of you want to be pastors. Many of you want to be teachers. Yet how many of you have even cleaned a toilet bowl? Have yet clean, Have yet mopped and vacuumed the floors of the church? How many of you have even bothered 
to go ahead and serve in the children's ministry and to serve others, yeah, you want to go ahead and be right behind a pulpit. Thinking that God's already gifted you to go ahead and be a pastor and a leader. No, no. I'm sorry, but that's false. You do not just jump in there. If yet you have not held yourself accountable to anyone above you. I'm not where I'm at because I just went and willy-nilly did it. To be honest, yeah, I did. But I also held myself accountable to several leaders within, within the ministry that I'm a part of. I hold myself accountable to the pillar pastor that's over the intercessors. I hold myself accountable to a pastor who's reached out to me and who's, and who's blessed my marriage, who's blessed my life and the life of my wife. And I hold myself accountable to my pastor, the senior leader of the church that I'm connected to. I hold myself accountable. Have I failed? Yes. Is it probably why I don't have much? Possibly. Yet, I'm being faithful with the little that I do have. Many of you aren't even faithful with your tithes and offerings. Yet, Malachi 3 always has to be repeated. Because the prophet Malachi, being the vessel of God, is telling you to be faithful with the simple things, with the little bit that you got. God will bless the rest. Now you're not even willing to do that. Oh, but I got this to pay, I got that pay, got the pay. I want this and I want that. I need this and I need that. Okay. But who's to say that God can't provide a way to go ahead and make sure that that bill is paid? That that creditor is paid off? That that, meet, that that need isn't met? Because according to scripture, he provides for all of our needs according to his richness and glory. That he does not forsake the righteous, nor does he let their seed beg for bread. So tell me. How is it that you remain unfaithful with your giving, but yet claim that God isn't doing anything for you? I'm not sitting here trying to preach a prosperity gospel, but yet the book of Proverbs teaches us that we, when we honor God with our first fruits, with our tithes and our offerings, He will bless us with much more. Yeah, how can you expect a blessing from God when yet yeah, you've robbed them of your tithes and your offerings? Makes no sense. It does not make sense to go ahead and blame God when yet yeah, you've withheld what belongs to God to begin with. Proverbs tells us to honor God with our first fruits, with our tithes and our offerings. Yeah, we haven't even honored him. How can we expect God to bless us if we have not even honored him? The problem starts with you. You desire and do not have. 
You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You know, it's interesting. The book of Proverbs tells us that the thief steals the bread and eats. It's sweet to the taste, but yet becomes gravel in the mouth. In other words, guess what? Though they met their need through malicious intent, it did not satisfy the taste. It did not meet the need that they intended for it to meet. Exodus chapter 20, verse 17 talks about coveting. What is Exodus 20, 17? It's the 10th commandment. Coveting is the 10th commandment. It tells us, do not cover, covet your neighbor's wife, his male and female servants, onks, his oxes and donkeys, and anything that is of his possession. Guess what? If you're trying to covet, then you didn't go through the process of satisfaction knowing that you put in the work to get what you got. I know that's improper English. I don't care. You cannot get what you want if you're not willing to put your hands to the till and work for the very blessing in which God has in store for you. You know, it was revealed to me that work was never a curse. It only became a work, it only became a curse outside of the garden, that being the toil and the very little that the ground was going to produce. When yet God called Adam and Eve to work in the garden and to manage and to be good stewards of what was in the Garden of Eden. Notice, work did not change. The call to work did not change. But the difference that one was the service of joy versus one being service of toil. Sweat and blood was going to be spent for harvest time to sow seeds, to water, to get rid of all pestilence and devouring things. The thief that has come to kill, steal, and destroy. Work isn't the issue. The issue is, how are you going to work? Are you going to work out of joy, knowing what the harvest is going to bring? Or are you just going to toil and complain and sweat and, and pour out droplets of blood and sweat and tears? Complaining about what you do not have. Because it does not come at your time. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You can try to go through all the back alleys you want. But still does not bring satisfaction. It does not bring joy. It does not bring happiness. It is not pleasing to your soul nor your spirit. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not act. Knock and the door will be opened. 
Seek and you will find. Ask and it will be given to you. It's what we read earlier, is it not? It's what Jesus tells us in the epistles, in the gospels. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Have you asked? And if so, what are you doing with the answer that's been given to you? Because it tells us in verse 3, you ask and do not receive, because you ask with the wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Are you asking out of selfish reason? Or is it because it's in alignment with the will of the Father? Is it in alignment with the will for your family, for the ministry that God has placed on the inside of you? Have you asked out of selfish motive? Or have you asked so you may be blessed so you may bless others? Are you asking so you could be so you could be placed on a pedestal? Are you asking so in that way you can be used in a way that that is more than what you can do? That is much greater than who you are than what you could possibly fathom. Which is it? Which is it? Some of you have already asked, but yet some of you aren't pleased with the answer. See, God answers in three ways. Yes, wait, and no. We're all gung-ho about the answer of it being yes. But we hate the word wait, and we definitely despise the word no. Yes being instant. God has granted our very heart's desire. Yet, we don't like the word wait. Because we've been trained to think that wait means no. When yet, the word wait means to pause and allow development to take place. It means to show self-control while a process is being conducted behind the scenes. The wait, the word wait implies that there's something brewing to test the level of preparation. No one likes to wait. No one likes to wait. One in the doctor's office for your name to be called. No one likes to wait at the deli counter to get your slices of meat or side dishes to go with your meal. Because how many of you got to take a, a ticket, a pick ticket, and wait for your number to be called? How many of you go to the doctor's office just to wait for the doctor to go ahead and get into the office? To go ahead and start conducting a physical just for you to wait for the nurse to come in to draw blood. Just to wait to go ahead and wait for the results to come back. Or you got to wait for the nurse to come to go ahead and take you to the x-ray or the MRI or the CAT scan or the PET scan. To wait for the results within 24 to 48 to 72 hours for your doctor to go ahead and give you the prognosis. 
just so you can wait a little longer to go ahead and start working together on a solution to combat the very issues that you have. No one likes waiting. Waiting is annoying. Waiting and sitting still makes one makes one to be anxious and nervous. Could possibly cause depression. Because then you start thinking, will my time ever come? Will I ever be healed? Will I ever get what my heart desires? Because this word says that he grants the desires of our heart and does exceedingly and above all that we could ever ask of him to do. We become anxious, we become desperate, we become depressed. Because God hasn't moved on our behalf in the way we want him to. Yet faith is the evidence of things hoped for, of things not yet seen. Yet without faith, it is impossible to please God. But yet when we wait and operate in faith, it will be accounted, it will be counted unto us as righteous in the presence of heaven. Y'all may think I'm just spouting off script, spouting off stuff, but yet all this is scripture. I'm not sat under a teaching or a covering just to go ahead and, and put my nose up in the air and puff my chest up. No, it's for me to get my nose in my Bible and to get and to lay prostrate before the Lord so I may study and show myself approval of the word of God and to sit in the presence of God so he could go ahead and pour out into me so I could pour out into other people. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motive so that you may spend it on your pleasures. There's nothing wrong with having pleasures. There's nothing wrong with having desires. But only God knows when it's okay to say no because it will probably cause you more harm than good. A lot of us don't like the word no. Our kids don't like the word no. Because what do they do? When they say no, when we tell them no, they pout, kick, scream, screech, shout, throw themselves on the floor. It's probably what we look like to God whenever we're told the word no. Because little do we know that we're being saved from something that's far worse than if he'd given it to us. He's saving us. He is good. He is a good father. Yet we doubt him so many times. See, this whole point of verses 1 through 3 is that it starts with you. It starts with your heart. It starts with your mind. It starts with your soul. It starts with your spirit. It starts with how you speak. It starts with how you act. No one can do... No one. No wrong can come to you unless you go ahead and invite those people who will wrong you. Wrong cannot be done to you if you do not do as you're supposed to do. See, if you do what you're supposed to do, guess what? Good things will end up coming your way. If you become a good steward with with what God has entrusted you with, guess what? Greater things will come. Be faithful in the literal, you become ruler over much. But yet you cannot complain that God has not blessed you if yet you have not become faithful with the little he has given you, and if you have not honored him with your first fruits and with your tithes and your offerings. You cannot, you cannot expect God 
to go ahead and bless you all the more when yet you, you have not honored him with the little that you do have. It starts with you. This is what James is telling us. It starts with a point of humility. It starts with the point of lowering ourselves so we may see what God has in store for us. So in that way, we may operate with joy, peace, prosperity, and willing to serve others. To serve is to humble yourself, is to meet the need of those who have a need. That's just it. A lot of us want to go ahead and complain that God isn't doing anything for us. But yeah, we're not even doing what we what's required of us. I'm going to say that again because that, that's going to hit somebody. We cannot complain that God is not doing anything for us when yet we're not even doing what's required of us. We can't. So I challenge you this week to begin to operate in the very things that's required of you as a child of God, as a servant to the kingdom, as a slave to Christ. If you have not been faithful with the little, he's not going to make you ruler over much. If you do not have your priorities in order, he is not going to bless the chaos. He's a God of order. It's up to you. Starts with you. Put things in order. Begin to operate in the manner which he's called you to operate in. And begin to do as he requires of you to do. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word and we thank you for what you have brought about today. Lord, I pray that as this word went forth, that it begins to challenge people and that it causes people to go deeper in your presence. And it causes and challenges people to grow in you, for them to examine their heart, to examine their mind, to examine their motives, their actions, their words. Holy Spirit, accompany them and to help them see where they need adjustment. Help them see where they need to grow. Help them see where they need to become a better servant and to serve their family and their church and their neighborhood. Lord, we give you permission to move and to act and to speak in our lives and in the lives of men. We give you all the honor. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise because you're worthy of it all, God. We thank you for your word, for it does not return back void. For heaven and earth may pass away, yet it's your word that forever remains. We love you, Lord, and we praise your name. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. 
Amen and amen. I love you guys. Be blessed. And I'll see you guys on Wednesday for Warring Wednesday. Have an awesome day.